Hello and happy Lent. I hope your fasting and your feasting is going well. I've been really excited to hear about some of you who are practicing Lent for the first time or fasting for the first time or adding in the feasting portion like me for the first time as well. Honestly, I give mad props to you because I truly did not know what Lent was until like my junior year of college when I emailed Blaine and Adley like, what's Lent? So we're really excited that you're here and we're excited the chance to be able to go through Lent together as a community. I'm also excited to be able to continue on this journey with you with tonight's passage about Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. This is coming out of John chapter 4, which is actually part of our daily reading plan as a community through our Lent journal. So I'm really excited to be able to go through it with you. Will you join me in prayer to start us off? Dear God, thanks for bringing us here tonight. We're really excited at the chance to be able to dive more into your word, more about the gospel story, to learn about you and how you care for us. I pray that you would use me and use my words to be your words, and that we'd be able to gain a lot of information and sweet reminders about who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I don't know about you, aka prop may not have been you, but in my family, I pretty much was only allowed to watch Disney Channel growing up. And one of the shows that I watched when I was really long was Lizzie McGuire. I know some of you may have seen it, Probably a lot of you haven't. You can watch it on Disney Plus now, but it did come out before Zach and Cody and Jesse and the rest of the shows that I don't really know what's out now. Um, but I loved Lizzie McGuire, and as a seven-year-old, that was definitely one of the shows that I loved a lot. Anyways, when I was seven years old, me and my family, for the 4th of July, like we did every year when we lived in Las Vegas, we went to the Summerlin Parade. And so this was like the big parade in town. Everyone showed up. There was kids everywhere. And there was floats and cars and candy. It was a really great time. So we're out there. We're sitting on the curb. And all of a sudden, this car comes down. And the back of this convertible bro, is Miranda from Lizzie McGuire. So Miranda is Lizzie's best friend. She's an amazing woman, and I recognized her immediately. And so me and the rest of the children next to me start screaming and freaking out. And then I yell, Miranda, hi! And then Miranda turns, looks at me square in the eye, and says, hi, how are you? How are you doing? And I, in all of my shock as a seven-year-old, take a couple seconds, but then I'm like, I'm good, thank you! And she's like, okay, great, you know, and then continues on the parade route. So needless to say, that was literally the highlight of my life at seven years old, went back and told all my friends. But to this day, to me, the high point of that story is not that I saw Miranda, probably my first celebrity sighting in real life, but it was the fact that she stopped and amongst all of the people around her, she looked at me and talked to me. Now, Miranda is not Jesus. I know, surprise, but she's not Jesus. But I feel like I felt a little bit like how I imagined the Samaritan woman did when Jesus stopped to speak with her. In fact, I think that's the main point of this passage for tonight, is that Jesus wants to stop to speak with us. And unlike Miranda, it's not just his job to ride in a car and say hi to kids. He wants to meet with us. And it's unlike Miranda, he already knows us. The creator of the universe already knows everything about us, including the darkest parts of us, and he still wants to meet with us. 
Now let's dive into some background for this passage. We're in John chapter 4 and in verses 1 through 4 it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria to get there. So I did a little bit of research and found out that Samaria and Judea were these areas of land next to each other. But long story short, they are huge rivals. They were completely different ethnic groups, completely different cultures, and they had like this big history with some battles and like some separation and people disagreed about what the separation was about. And basically they just really, really didn't like each other. However, Samaria was pretty much right in between Judea and Galilee. So if anybody was going from one to the other, they usually had to go through Samaria to get there, even though they didn't like it. And so Jesus did that. But what's so significant about this story is that he stopped to talk to someone from Samaria. And he didn't just stop to talk to someone from Samaria. He stopped to talk to a single woman on the side of the road that was not accompanied by a man, which just culturally during that day, nobody did that. So it's pretty significant that he chose to. And then the following conversation ensues. Jesus walks up to the woman in Samaria. She's at a well gathering water, and he asks her, Will you give me a drink? And she responds, Well, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And he says, Well, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for living water. And she said, Okay, what are you talking about? And he responds with verses 13 and 14, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she said, okay, bet, give it to me. And he said, okay, we'll call your husband over. And she said, oh, beep. And he said, mm-hmm, it's because you've had five husbands and the man you're with now, you're not married to. And then she said, oh, so you're a prophet. He said, I am. And there is a time coming when, and then he drops some truth. And she says, oh, yeah, I know of this Messiah. His name is Christ, and he's coming. And when he gets here, he'll explain everything. And I'm looking forward to it. And he said, yeah, that's literally me. <sighs> Mic drop. So it was a very dramatic ending to that story. But that is basically the encounter between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. And I think when we go back and look at that, the most significant part of it is just the fact that he stopped and spoke with her. I think when we sit with this, when we really think about it, we can come to see some simple yet profound truths about who Jesus is and what he thinks about us. So jumping right in, I think the first thing that we can gain from this passage is the fact that he already knows us, already loves us, to, already loves us enough to come visit us and spend time with us, even if he knows all of our sin. I think a perfect example of this is in verses 16 and 18 when he says, He, Jesus, told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. 
I feel like this is like a pretty good example of what I have also experienced. I don't know about you if you've had any childhood friends, maybe some cousins or a best friend, when you're like, wow, you really saw me at like 13 years old. Like you really saw me when I was mean to my mom in high school and you still wanna hang out with me. Like you saw me when I was really immature. I'm glad that you've seen my growth, but like you still wanna hang out with me. Like when I go home, you still wanna like meet up. I think that's a pretty beautiful thing. I also think it's a pretty cool reflection of what God thinks about us. Um, he knows even the parts that probably nobody else knows about, and He still comes to meet with us. And that leads into the second point from this passage. It's the fact that He shows up just as He has before. Now going back to chapter 4, we're going to go to the beginning of the chapter in verses 5 through 6, where it says, So he, Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And that well is where he talked with the Samaritan woman. But when I researched a little bit about this, because I was like, I feel like this is kind of specific. I mean, I was right. It's actually talking about the same Jacob and Joseph from the Old Testament. And not only that, I come to find out that Sychar, the city in Samaria, where this plot of land is that belonged to Jacob, it is originally the place where God first appeared to Abraham in Canaan back in Genesis where he renewed the promise of giving the land to him and his descendants, which we can obviously see the effect of that. I couldn't help but read this and be so excited, like this full circle. I was like, yo, God was really working in the Old Testament just like he was through Jesus in the New Testament. And it really reminded me of the idea and concept of Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel is a term that I guess is usually reserved for Christmas time in the Advent season because Emmanuel literally means God with us. And it's referencing when Jesus came to earth as a baby, as a human, and was literally present with us. But I couldn't help but think of the fact that he was with Abraham too. Like God showed up to Abraham and how significant that was. Um, I think about the fact that when Jesus was here on earth, like that was great and amazing for the people then and near him. But then when Jesus died and went back up to heaven, he said, I have to go because I'm leaving something better for you. I'm leaving you my Holy Spirit who will be with you at all times you can conversate with and be with. And so I think about the great privilege that we have to be able to be in conversation with the Holy Spirit. But people back in the Old Testament, they didn't have Jesus or the Holy Spirit. They believed in God, but God showed up kind of far and few between it was really significant when he showed up in person, but he decided to show up to Abraham on this exact plot of land near the well that was eventually given to Jacob, near where Jesus would show back up again. Needless to say, I think this is proof that God shows up again and again, time after time, to sit with us, to speak with us, and to meet with us. I think it's a really sweet reminder for me. and gives me a lot of hope that like, okay, God really showed up in this big way like 2.5 years ago in my life. I feel like I can expect that he will show up again. And when I really start thinking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, he, you know, he didn't show up in this crazy way, but he did speak to me. Like that was I, undeniably something that came from God that happened maybe six months ago. Okay, I believe he's going to show up again if I truly believe that. And so this leads into our third point kind of the so what question. Like, that's great that God shows up and he speaks with us, but why is it important? I think it's important because an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with God, like the Samaritan woman had, it changes everything. 
And the scriptures say that he will bring us material things when we encounter him, like relief maybe from pain or blessings and resources like money or provision. But I think that there are immense non-material gifts as well. And these encounters can change our lives through things, some practical things. I think one of them can be worship. We can see that in verse 23 in the same passage where it says, and Jesus is speaking, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I think worshiping in spirit and truth is a direct result of having an encounter with God. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't really know how to just worship in the spirit. I can't do that by myself. It has to be in conversation and in working with the Holy Spirit. And I think in truth, well, truth is knowledge. And I think we can only truly know who God is when we encounter him. His word is amazing and beautiful. We know Jesus is the word, but... When we encounter Jesus, we are encountering the full essence of him. So I think it changes our worship. I also think just practically, it grounds us like no other. I mean, if there's one thing I have learned this year, especially as someone who cares a lot about what people think about them, I think encountering Jesus, hearing his voice and sitting down with him and what he thinks of me, that grounds me like no other. I think my worth comes out of that. And I think a confidence comes out of that that literally surpasses anything. Like no one can touch me when I know who I am and where God is leading me. I think that brings us to another practical thing is purpose. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I've encountered Jesus and gotten to know who he is, the understanding that I'm a part of something bigger and that my story is just a small sliver in this giant story of life and this giant story of God, like, man, not only does it refocus me, but it excites me as a young professional to be like, I know what vision I have for my life and where I'm going because of this greater purpose that I am a part of. So the next question you might be asking, which because I kind of asked it myself, was, well, how can I have these encounters with God? It sounds pretty nice. You know, gain a lot of nice things from it. Well, I think the answer is in simple belief. I mean, we look at verse 14 of this chapter. It says, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And to break down some of the metaphor or the big lofty words, I think when Jesus says that never thirsting here means to never need or never lack anything. Living water is a reference to God and all the things that he provides for. Just like how water sustains us and gives us life. God did all of those things through Jesus. There's another verse in reference to uh, verse 14 that says, To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And in this case, the spring is Jesus, and the without cost is the free gift of eternal life, thanks to Jesus dying on the cross. And I think if we're speaking about belief, we can't help but read verses 25 and 26. Where it says, The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This woman believed in all that Jesus would do and bring. 
Even before he showed up, it's clear that she had thought about this before and she believed, hey, I don't know who the Messiah is, but I know when he comes, he will explain everything to us. He will do the things he said. He will talk about his promises. And I believe that God honored that by allowing her to encounter Jesus in person, to meet the Messiah in person. He showed up before she made any action. She didn't really do anything, but she believed that he would show up and he did. Belief is important because it leads to encounters with Jesus. And I think that unless we have encounters with Jesus, it's kind of all meaningless. It's beautiful. we got beautiful text and worship, but without being able to meet with him and encounter him, what do we have? So what can we do now? Well, I think we can talk to him. I think that we can go and meet with him and choose to sit with him and pray and ask that he would meet with us. I think that we can pray for that over and over again, no matter where you're at with your journey of faith. If you don't even know him, if you've never talked to him before, I believe that you can sit there and be like, hey, I heard about who you are. I want to meet with you. I want to hear what you have to say. Where are you? Can you show yourself to me? I think that's a beautiful prayer to do, even if you've never prayed in your entire life. I also think if you grew up in the church and has known him for a couple of decades, you can continue to pray that prayer and ask for more and more direct encounters for him to show that he would show himself clearly, that you can get to know more of him. Because I believe that there is an endless amount of things that we can learn about God, the God of the universe, and how much he cares for us. So in this Lenten season, let's remember how much he wants to stop and to sit and to speak with us. Let's remember that an encounter with Jesus, just like the Samaritan woman had, can change something. It can shift something inside of us that can be for eternity. So let's pray for more encounters with Jesus and let's believe that he will show up because of them. Dear God, Thank you for your revealing yourself through this message. Thank you for the grace and the presence that you had with the Samaritan woman. And thank you for the knowledge that you are exactly the same way with us. You were present with us. You desire to encounter with us, that you want to sit with us. You want to speak with us and you want to spend time with us. I pray that you would continue to show up to us, God. I pray that we'd be able to have multiple encounters with you. I pray that for students out there who have maybe never talked to you in their lives, that they would encounter you for the first time. I pray for students that may have encountered you five years ago, God. Maybe it's been a minute since they heard you or seen from you. I pray that you would sit with them gently and that you would speak to them, God. I pray that you would show yourself to them in all aspects. I pray that we'd be able to get to know you more, that we'd be able to feel the depth of your love for real and not just have to read it or hear about it, but that we'd be able to encounter it ourselves fully. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your heart to know us and to care about us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, or no matter where we are in this life, you're here with us. Thank you, God, for all that you do. In your name we pray. Amen.